Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I am so excited that you are listening today because I have a magnificent guest for you. My guest today is Mara Branscombe. She is a mother, writer, yogi, artist, teacher, mindfulness leader, ceremonialist, and spiritual coach. She is passionate about weaving the art of mindfulness, self-care, creativity, mind-body practices, and earth-based rituals into her life and work. She has been leading community ceremony since the year of 2000. As an adventurous spirit, Mara has sailed across the Atlantic Ocean, trekked across the Himalayas, studied yoga in India, planted trees in Canada's north, lived off the grid in a remote cabin in the woods, worked as a Waldorf teacher, and then found her passion for dance and choreography. All the while, yoga, meditation, mysticism, and ritual have been at the heart of Mara's journey. Her trainings in the Incan shaman lineage and the pagan tradition have greatly inspired her life's work of earth-based, ceremonial, intentional, and heart-centered living and loving. And she has a brand new book that is out called Ritual as Remedy. Embodied Practices for Soul Care. So you guys are probably thinking, what the heck are we going to talk about? Because this woman has done so much in her life. But we're really excited to bring her book to you. It is a fantastic book. And I would say from the perspective of a meditation teacher, and you guys know that I do like some sound healing, the meditations and ceremonies in this book are great for teachers if you want to incorporate some beautiful things into your classes. So I can't wait for you guys to meet her. So Mara, welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Thank you, April, for having me. Yes. And for those of you who are watching on Path 11 TV, you are just going to absolutely love the background of Mara's home. And I asked her before we hit record, did you paint that painting? Because I'm getting into abstract art. She said, yes, I did. So so it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I'm so excited that you're here. I actually chose your book and said yes to your book actually because of the cover. I just got such a good vibe of the cover and I love the moons on it and the bowl with the flowers. And I was like, oh, I haven't even read this book, but it feels so good. So <laughs> I knew I was going to have you on the show. So I would love for you to tell my audience a little bit about yourself and how this book came to be. You know, what was the inspiration behind it? <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think you shared a lot about me already. So, you know, my my offerings and my work have been an evolution, just like all of us. You know, we're always evolving. We're always growing. We're always changing. And this work of, you know, meditation, yoga, breath, consciousness, ritual work, it lends itself to personal evolution. So the beauty of stepping into this work, whether you're a beginner or, you know, you're seasoned or you're looking for a way to, you know, raise your vibes a little, 
this this work that we do in ritual it allows us to you know personally evolve on a daily basis and so that is how you know i i found that i am you know more i'm happiest i'm more connected when i'm doing rituals on a daily basis and by that i mean it's rhythmic. So, you know, for me, I wake up in the morning and it's very important that I have at least two to five minutes of silence. I do my gratitude work. I call in three or more gratitudes. And then I, you know, light a candle and I visualize, you know, the opportunity in the day, the possibility, the potential in the day. And so that allowed me to see how effective it was for me personally. And then I started teaching that to other people. And, you know, of course, like I lead moon rituals and I lead group ceremony and community gatherings for solstices and equinoxes. And, and I do this bigger kind of ritual work. And the realization for me was that one small ritual a day can be profoundly transformative. And that's the why behind the book. So, you know, it was just before it was, you know, just before the pandemic and I actually got an intuitive flash against this bookshelf right here for those of you looking at the, you know, at the live or the TV version. And I was holding, I was actually holding the book and this doesn't happen very often, right? We don't have these really strong photographic, you know, there are a few in, in a lifetime or, you know, the ones that we remember. And then I thought, okay, now I have to write this book. And, and I wasn't a writer before. So the why behind the book is to support people in personal transformation, in evolving into their best life, and, and the how-to behind it, based on, you know, nature-based spirituality, essentially. Yeah. So did you write this during COVID? So kind of I, COVID yes. and then you're writing. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was so interesting during the COVID times when it had first hit was how much of our rituals were taken away. Interesting. And so reading that this kind of came to be during that time, I was like, oh, perfect. Because, you know, just the simple, and I, I'd like you to kind of define what ritual is, because sometimes people may hear that word and be like, oh, she's a witch. Rituals. Oh, that's scary. That's witchcraft, yeah. you know? So I'd like, I'd like for you to kind of define what ritual, what, what ritual is, because what I saw was birthday parties were taken away funerals were taken away, you know, get togethers and barbecues. You know, we may not look at those things as rituals, but really they are, you know, or maybe like, okay, Friday night paycheck and I'm going to go out to dinner with my family or mm -hmm. Sunday dinners. That is very much of a ritual, just like a full moon ritual. So I was hoping you can kind of, you know, define what ritual means to us where we're not looking at it from the lens of witchcraft or, yes. you know, this is what witches do. I'm really glad you brought that up. And yes, ritual is anything done with intention or consciousness. And so it's, it's as simple as, yes, yeah, Sunday night dinner. But how do you prepare that Sunday night dinner? Are you stressed out? Is it chaos? Are you, you know, do you have some unresolved energy in you that, you know, so, so this is what anything, you know, that we do in terms of gathering and celebrating is a ritual. And the work is, I believe, how do we clean and clear our energy so that we can come at it from a place of love, compassion, acceptance, joy, all of these beautiful qualities that are us, that are, are our essential true nature. And so what this work does is it amplifies the true nature 
And then a ritual is anything done with consciousness or intention. And that is really liberating to start to understand that you can make these things really special and sacred to whatever your beliefs are. So this book really made you maybe come out of a shell that you didn't even know you were under because, you know, here you are, you're a teacher and you're running these rituals and doing all this. But you just said a little while ago, I was not a writer and I had no plans on writing this book. You also dedicated this book to your children to say, to believe that anything is possible. So I would love to hear your transformation of identifying as I'm not a writer to all of a sudden, now you are a writer, you've authored a book. And what does that mean? Anything is possible and kind of looking at that transformation piece for yourself. And I, I want to begin by saying that, you know, in a way, the pandemic gifted me this experience because I was very busy teaching out in the world, traveling and teaching. It, you know, and my, also my number one focus is to raise my children in the best way possible. So when, when COVID did hit and I received that download of that intuitive snapshot photographic message of me holding the book, then the next thing that came to me was I can support people right now. And I had to get myself out of the way. I had to let go of, was, is it going to be, is it, is it going to happen? Is it, going to be a success or not a success. I had to let go of that and go, no, 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 this is not about me. This is about the 25 years of practices that I have committed my life to and pouring them onto the page so that people can self-guide. That was really, that was really what lifted me into this process of writing. And then April, I needed to write because it was more uncomfortable to hold to hold this idea that I'm I'm going to write this book I had to do it there was a fire in me it was cooking just like you know that that beautiful red painting the, those colors and so I accepted I accepted the invitation and I went for it and you know what it was you know I got turned down by many publishers so this is anything is possible so I said I'm going to self publish and then as soon as I said, I'm going to self-publish, a publisher came knocking on my door. Of course, right? <laughs> that's what anything is possible means. And that's in that way, you know, committing to the intention, letting go of the outcome. Yes, that's, that's huge throughout your book. And, you know, I'm constantly learning that and and practicing it. And I think that sometimes can be the toughest part, right? Because like you said, you probably had in your mind, okay, I have this book. I need to find a publisher, publisher one. They say no, publisher two, publisher three. Okay, I forget the publisher. Now I'm going to do it myself. And then all of a sudden you let go of that outcome per se. I bet you the resistance or the energy of it shifted enough and then open the door. And then here a publisher walks in and says, we'll take it. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. The other thing that you we're talking about when we're talking about ritual and it's really about bringing yourself into the present moment you have you know a really good piece about managing people's thoughts and i you know i've heard this quote probably the first time i heard it was from deepak chopra in one of his books where we have something like 50,000 thoughts a day and 90% of what we have thought today we thought tomorrow we thought yesterday so we have like 90 the same 90% of thoughts in the unconscious are happening day after day after day. And you reminded me that about 70% of them 
tend to be negative or self-defeating thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're kind of trying to manifest something in your life and you have that ego that, you know, rises up and says, you're not a writer, you're not an artist, you can't do this, you can't do that. How do you begin to shift that energy? So whatever it is that you are trying to bring into your life with these rituals can actually happen. And so how do we really move that negative self-talk out? Mm -hmm. A steady rhythm, dedicated practice, I would say. So this is why I feel bookending our days. How do you start your day? How do you end your day? Can we make habits holy? Can we make our habits sacred? That's ritual right there. So in the morning, you wake up instead of the dread of the day or the fatigue or the overwhelm. You know, we all have hard times. We all have hard days. And the practice is to be in present moment awareness enough, even for two minutes, to call forward those gratitudes to, to actually, you know what that does? That replaces those negative thoughts. It doesn't replace them necessarily, but it, it gives you like this synergy of positive energy where you may become more vast. You may become bigger than the critical mind. And that seems to be what has been very profound in, in my personal experience. And also at some point during the day, is there, you know, you want to look for areas where you have a lot of overwhelm or chaos. And that is an area to begin to really look at and go, okay, what is one practice I can do? Let's say it's you're making your di kids dinner time, you know, what is one thing you can do in there to remind yourself that you can become vast, even though there's so many moving parts. And so, you know, I go into these like rituals of, okay, I have my big glass of water in many places drink a glass of water when you know I have you know I, I work with a lot with plants and I love flowers and I garden so you know having these bouquets around or having these little altars my my special crystals you know having them around it, it allows us to you know pause remember and then the, whatever self-defeating thoughts you may be having somehow they may start to you know get a bit more spacious and so we don't become them as much. They're always going to be there. That's the thing, right, April? Those thoughts will be there. It's just how we, um, you know, perceive them and how we allow them either to take us over or we choose to say, I hear you, I see you, no, thank you. I'm going to take a moment and be with the roses. Yeah, I was listening today on my walk to an old talk from Wayne Dyer from his book, Wishes Fulfilled. And he gave a really great metaphor and imagery of the trash can that we have on our computer and that when those self-defeating thoughts come up, that you actually want to move them over to the trash can and mentally hit the delete. And his, you know, his work has been on my mind um, a lot. And also in your book, there was a meditation about using the two most powerful words that he says, I am. You have an I am meditation in there. And you know, when you had said in the beginning, well, I, I'm not a writer and that might've been your, your, I am beforehand. I am not, but yeah. I say, I am a writer. Would you like to talk about the, the strength or the power in words and how we speak to ourselves? And maybe that I am 
statement that can really help to manifest and bring that energy inward to yourself. And the other thing that I got from your book was very similar to his work is that you believe it to be here already. It has already arrived and like holding on to that, to that feeling. So would you like to talk about that? Sure. And that I am statement. So that can be part of that morning meditation as well. And I would go so far as I am, I will. I am blank. I will blank. And the I am actually comes from the root of the Sankalpa statement in yoga nidra practice. So that is, you know, something we call forward to, you know, that, that already exists in us and it will naturally happen. So, you know, you want to start to look for all the ways that you say, I am never, or I am always. Those are really great liftoffs to go, okay, there's the trash. I need to, you know, put some of those things in that trash can. So I never get enough sleep. I'm always stressed. I'll, I'll never find love. I'll, I'll never be able to, you know, have enough abundance to whatever. So, so those are the areas of that. Those are the 90% of those thoughts that are from yesterday that you're projecting onto your future. And so that's where we start to work with the power of word internally and externally. So what I would love to bring forward for us all, and this is a daily ritual practice, is what am I saying? How am I saying it? And use our words to elevate ourselves and use our words to elevate our listener. They, the practice of journaling is very important to me and is a big part of this book and the work. And when we can, you know, not repress our thoughts, I'm not talking about not, I'm not talking about pushing everything down. Some safe places to get out some of that real deep, you know, sadness, anger, fear, frustration, these are really important things to work with. It's material for us, is to also work in the journal, five minutes, uncensored. I call it chicken scratch, just like go, 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 right, 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 right. At the end of it, you know, and if you do this for seven days straight, you know, you're going to really notice a difference in, in what you're holding on to. And I bet you're going to notice a difference in how you're speaking to yourself what your dreams are. Your dreams are going to shift at night because we're starting to unload. We're starting to clear some of that stuff out. So I, and then there, I always work with limiting core beliefs. So I'll just close with this is that, you know, we do the journal work because it allows us to see visually what we're saying to ourselves. This is really important. Okay. It brings it into consciousness. It brings the unconscious to conscious and it allows, and then we go, we go one step further and then every time I say to myself, I never get enough sleep. I'm always exhausted. I then cross that out and I say, I am tending to my inner self. I will nourish myself today. So that we're, we're not saying, we're, we're starting to just take care in a way that's positive. And that has a huge impact on our energy body. Yeah, I also have, it's further down in your book, more towards the end, fewer distractions, more, read my, my handwriting, more spiritual something. What do I have here? It's basically, you were saying, oh, more spiritual connection. Sorry. Yes. Fewer distractions, more spiritual connections. So I love what you're saying about 
emptying the mind and the less distractions that we have, which can also be people, you know, people in our lives, the drama in our lives, clutter in our home, you know, just really clearing out those distractions allows your energy to connect easier to, to the divine. So you're kind of talking a lot about that now, but I just think that that's so important because I've found a lot of people that I've worked with when they begin to embody more of their spiritual awakening, I have found that a lot of people go through shifts in their relationships and feel a little strange, like, oh, it was really hard for me to go to that barbecue. I was around my friends and just realized, you know, the substance of talking wasn't really much of anything and I need something deeper, you know? So it could feel a little alienating when you're really not sure how to navigate as you're shifting and changing and want those fewer distractions or it's hard to be around people who maybe are carrying a lot of distractions in their world because melding with that energy can kind of throw you off. So I think that that's really important. I don't know if you have anything you'd like to say about more about that. One, one more little piece is that, and this is where the work of compassion comes in, okay? Because as we shift and evolve naturally, we are going to start to discern and it, you know, what works for us and what doesn't work for us anymore. However, we can be compassionate to everyone else's journey along the way. And we don't have to let that, ref- when we learn how to rein in our boundaries, and that can be part of the meditation practice in the morning with the gratitudes here, you know, sealing in my energy body so I don't get de- depleted by other people's energy then you know we can hold space for compassion for everyone's journey we can also hold space for some of the archetypes like the victim the martyr you know some of these and we can start to understand where they come from that's when it gets pretty good because that's where compassion grows i feel is when we understand oh they're not saying that to offend me they're saying that because that's where they're at right and that is really also an empowering piece that will save us so much energy. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) And it's kind of interesting too, to sometimes see yourself in that person and also recognizing maybe where you once were and also having, you know, that deeper understanding and compassion too. Like, oh, I was there once. Yes. Get it. And it's okay that they're not there, but it's also learning how to protect your energy if it is, you know, too much to be around that some chaos, you know, or distraction. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Let's keep, let's keep going. Wheel of the year. I have this down as something to talk about that, you know, part of your book really resonated with me with a lot of my teachers of different types of cultures, different types of shamanism, the Northeast, South and West, and the different elements. And maybe we could talk about the wheel of the year and also incorporate the elemental work that you talk about, which is so beautiful. And one of the elements, I've heard people use the word spirit, but I've never heard people use the word ether element. Mm. So that was a new, just a new thing for me that I'm going to ask you a little bit more about. But yeah, do you want to explain a little bit about what the wheel of the year is and how you incorporate that into a lot of the rituals that are in your book? Yes. And I'm working with the pagan Celtic wheel of the year. And my ancestors are from Scotland and England and Ireland. And this is really the liftoff of my work. You know, a good 25 
years ago or more, I was invited to my first fire ceremony. I was gifted with, you know, a best friend whose mom was into, you know, the pagan wheel of the year and had a women's group. And it really did change my life. So I'm so grateful to have had that experience at such a young age. And so the wheel of the year in the, in the pagan Celtic tradition is to follow the seasons. So we have fall equinox winter solstice, spring equinox, and summer solstice. So those of us in the north, we're heading into the summer solstice season. And so part of, part of my work, and each direction is associated with e- either the solstice or the equinox and with an element as well. So it, it's, and that's how I laid out the book. So you'll, you'll see that when you read the book is that it, it flows with the directions and the symbol, and there's so much symbolism and there's so much to receive. And so for some examples, you know, as we're heading into, you know, summer solstice, it's the element of fire. It's like the, you know, it's the, the, the young child running barefoot on the beach. You know, if that's our freedom time, that's our time to be a little bit more wild and out there and creative. It's very abundant. We're eating all this incredible food that's been grown, you know, under the sun. And then we head into the fall and it's the harvest season. And, you know, it's, it's the element of air and spaciousness. And, and then we, we work to winter solstice and it's the element of earth and we honor, you know, our, our inward quiet time during the winter our time to, do, to draw in, that's a very spiritual time inwardly. And then when we start to come out of, into the spring season, it's that rebirth and the awakening. And, and it's, you know, working in, in, in these ways. So it, it's, always, it's allowed me over the years to be with the earth and witness her rhythms in a way that to me, that is essentially what I would say is my spirituality. Mm. Yeah, another interesting thing that I read in your book was, well, you gave like these beautiful meditations and for each element, which was so cool. And there's one that I want to talk to you about. It's more of the heart opening meditations. But one of the things that I underlined was fire and air are the quickest ways to transformation. Mm-hmm. Now, I have done fire ceremonies with many teachers. I've done earth ceremony, water, mineral, and, and fire. I've never done an air ceremony before. I don't know even know what that would look like, but I I know that fire is it's fast. It's fast moving. I've done many fire rituals. They're amazing, you know, and letting go and very transformative. But why is it that fire and air are the quickest ways to to transformation? What does that mean exactly? Well, breath. So air is breath. Yeah. So when we you know, you can imagine that big roaring fire in front of you. The, the way that, you know, our, our breath allows us to transform our state. It gives us life. The expansive air, you know, is endless. It's potent. It can shift and change so rapidly. And yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty amazing to work with these dimensions to, to really, again, become bigger than our own personal story. So when I look up and I see, you know, the eagle flying over me and I say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The eagle is the visionary, it's the heart visionary in indigenous cultures. And that, you know, seeing from a bird's eye view, whenever I see a a winged one in, you know, high in the sky, it allows me to, it reminds me to look down at my life and say, okay, what's going on? 
And then I instantly get a shift in perspective. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that answered your question, but. Yeah, well, it, it made me think of, you know, I've done some breath work sessions before with a teacher and knowing that we have one of the elements so close to us, you know, of using air and what that can maybe do as a way to transform things within our body or within, you know, our life. I just thought that was really interesting. I've always been very connected to fire. I'm a fire sign, you know, so I was like, okay, but, and it's funny when I was younger and even still, like, I can't stand the wind. I hate when it blows. I hate when it blows my hair, but hate the sound of it. I remember when I was younger, the window would be down. I'd be having arguments with the air, like, so loud. Yeah. So like air has always been an element that I've least liked, but your book helped me to respect it more and say, oh, maybe you need to like bring this in and not be so agitated by it. Yes. I think, you know, because we're always, this is why this work is so beautiful is because we're reflected back material that we can work with. So, so there's a piece there, you know, and so working with that whole chapter in air and, and kind of, you know, and then just give it, shifting your practice perhaps a little bit in your meditation or your breast work to align with it and to, you know, see this breath of life in, in uh, all around us and, and inside of us. I think, you know, there's a lot to receive through this work. So the self-love heart meditation, I loved it. I did as I was reading it, I was, you know, doing it. And, but then I went further down to another one and you have this tapping technique where you put your hand over your heart. I think it's left hand over heart and right hand. And you do a tapping sequence of one, two, and then one, two, three. Yeah. One, two, one, two, three. So I've never heard of that before. And What's the significance of the tapping? Is that, what does that do? Does it do anything? And yes, where'd you learn how to do that? And I was just, yeah. I loved it. I loved the feel of it. So this actually comes from a dear friend who's an occupational therapist and she does this with children, in fact. And so wow. I started doing this. Yes. Yeah, so it, it helps, you know, and it, it helps to restore presence. It helps to bring feeling to our heart, especially when we set an intention. So when I do it, if I'm feeling a little bit like um, guarded or, you know, got some, some, you know, s- stuff going on in my relationship or, you know, with my children, if I need to remember how to be more compassionate and loving, I'll drop into that one, two, one, two, three. And it allows us to, and actually I just taught this to my, my daughter is my youngest daughter is eight and I went into her school to teach yoga for the first time in two years because now I'm allowed in the school which is amazing and they love that and I also do more classical tapping you know interlacing and doing that you know at the sternum at the jaw at the forehead at the crown figures tapping to to again bring sensation energy and really and I'm glad you brought this up because it's about state change this is to me all the years of this work, mind, body, somatic based work, we change our state quickly. We come into another sensation. We feel things differently. We see things differently. We smell differently. Memories come up. Intuition grows. So there's so many reasons why to do that kind of work. Yeah. And the thymus tap that you talked about, I yeah. actually had that down there. It reminded me of some of the Donna Eden work 
that I have been trained in, in some of the very basic stuff. And I'm also trained in tapping therapy, you know, so like, yes, a certain parts that you're talking about. And the thymus thump, I remember that activating the immune systems in hers. And when I was first learning this, I was working in a psychiatric hospital because I have a background in mental health therapy. So, and I was getting into Donna Eden and it was like flu season. I was like, hey, everyone, I learned this technique. And I was teaching everyone how to thump their thymus is what Donna Eden would say. And, you know, I was always considered to be like the wacky one. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. yeah. And I'm like, no, really, really try it, try it. And I had the whole staff walking around <laughs> thumping their thighs and they were the healthiest that they had ever been like that whole winter. I was like, see, it works. So, um, but I had never heard to like interlace it, to interlace yeah. the fingers. And I like that. About yeah, it's really, it's really comfortable. And I also do it with the toning. So allowing big breath in and then when you breathe out, you just... That's really important to release jaw, release sound. Again, it it shakes something up, doesn't it? It shakes us up in a way that we're able to see perhaps again a little differently. Yeah. So this this is a perfect transition then. Okay. So glad as you brought the sound in. Let's go to the ether element because you have this chart in the book where you give the tonation for kind of each element and what it does to each part. And the ether element, the sound is ing, I-N-G. And, you know, I I was like, I've never heard of this before. I love this. I have, you know, a new tool. So can you talk a little bit about the ether element and maybe you can reveal a little bit of of the sounds and the ing sound and what what does that do? How do these sounds really connect us to these different parts? Yes. And so the ether element is quite, you know, it's a mysterious, it's the mysterious element. That's why perhaps you've heard it as the spirit element before, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's, I would say, you know, with the wheel of the year, that ether is right at the center of the wheel of the year. So you can think about a circle and, you know, all the compass points drawing out from the circle. And then what's at the center, that's your source. And so what I love to do myself and I guide others and I'll get to the sound in a moment, is that all of this work we do is to return back to center, to give the mind consciousness a little bit of a different perspective and to actually bring your consciousness into the center of your body, the center of gravity, because we're so busy moving from our head, from our brain all the time. You know, it was like that classic, you know, the chin forward, the shoulders forward. We're moving, you know, at a high rate forward all the time. And this we're asking with this work is to inhabit center and see what comes from there. And that's where our intuition also is burst from. It's our gut instinct. So it's a really important area to, you know, really get into. So with the sounds, working with the sounds is connected to the seven energy centers in the body. And I was gifted this practice through a women's group that I was a part of. Again, I'm going to call it out like 25 years ago. So I, I, I have it like this is pre-internet. Like I have notes and like I was hand, I was, I was sent things in the mail by my mentor. Yeah. It was so beautiful. It was, mm-hmm. it's called Sisters of the Shields. And it was this incredible group that I honestly, I, I count my lucky stars. It changed my life. And so the sounds, we work with the energy centers in the body. So the sound O is like our root chakra and it helps us to ground. And the, cent- the sound of 
Mm, it's at our creative center. So that's second energy center. That's our, our you know, for women, the, the womb, the, for all of us, the pelvis, that's where, you know, our sensuality, sexuality, creativity, where we generate abundance also. So that's the sound of ooh, connected to water. And then the A, nice loud sound, that's our solar plexus, that's fire, that's our self-esteem, that's like working with our inner power. It's very, very powerful when, when we do this work together. And the sound of awe and massage to the heart, that's your compassion, that's the element of air. And then we get into the E, that's a high-pitched at the throat center. And that's really to, you know, work with freedom of speech. And to elevate, you know, the, the world with your words, you know, consciously, right? And at the center of the forehead intuition, it's a, mm, so that toning, it helps to, we hold so much in our face, right? We hold so much tension in our face or expression. And so when we do this work, we ask to leave our roles behind. And then when we get to the top with the crown, it's a repetitively. And we, yeah, we want to draw it from the center and we want to open it. And that's where, you know, this beautiful fontanelle and soft baby spot that you were born with. And there's all sorts of symbology around that being this portal towards, you know, perhaps another, whatever your word is, creator, spirit, goddess, God, energy, intuition you know, where we receive perhaps support from other realms. We all have our own interpretation. But the one thing that's really important to remember is that we can have a spiritual experience in the form of a human body. And that's why we do this work to kind of get out of the narrative or the heaviness or whatever it is that you emotionally may, may be feeling to breathe and to emote and to express and to feel alive. Beautiful. So now it makes sense why air, it's heart. <laughs> I'm getting it. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, I've had to work very hard to protect this little thing. Yes. You know, yes. and, you know, due to some childhood stuff and then yeah. even the career that we're in of, you know, being a therapist and always having to kind of, you know, protect our own heart with our clients' stories. So like yeah. heart openers and stuff like that is always that's something that I've had to constantly come back to, to work on and to open, okay. you know. So there you yeah. go. There's the air connection. Yeah. Yes, for sure. What else before we go? Well, this is just a comment. It was just another exercise in your book that I love, The Wood Chopper. And so this whole exercise, and maybe I can have you describe it, the very first time I ever did this was in a yoga class. Yes. And I started crying. It was like, and I didn't know that you could cry. I didn't know that people cried in yoga classes. Right. Like this was like in the beginning of my yoga journey. And, yes. you know, we're kind of like in this star position and she's having us bring her hands up and we're swinging and we're, ah, ah. Yeah. And it literally moved something out to the point that it brought me to tears and of course, that first time when you don't know that, like you're in a community, like that's okay. And this happens. Right. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm crying yeah. in this yoga class. And such a physical release happened. And I remember I walked up to the yoga teacher and I said, and I didn't know about hip opening classes either, but it was a huge hip opening class. And then she did this thing at the end and I was a puddle. 
I was like, can you tell me what just happened to me? So I just, that brought back that memory for me that was so profound reading your book and reading the woodchopper exercise. So I just thought I would tell that short story to you because it was such an intense experience early on in my yoga. If you want to explain what position maybe that. that, Yeah, well, first I want to say thank you because thank you for sharing and that, you know, this work works. It clears stuff out and it's it's process oriented and we we never know exactly what we're holding on to right like you know we we're especially if we are more empathic as a person you're going to take on all sorts of energy that you know we're not even we don't even know sometimes what we take on so that's why coming in with an intention when we do this work to release what no longer serves to rein in our boundaries so that we're still open and loving but we're not taking on other people's energy. And, you know, this is, this is important and, and really takes, takes a commitment to do, to do this work. And so I thank you for doing your work. And, you know, this in the woodchopper is, you know, you're standing in this like kind of deep squat position and then you're swinging your arms up to the air, like a, like a, an ax essentially. And the way I describe it, is that there's a huge piece of wood and you got to get through that huge round of wood because you're actually, you're also life depends upon, you know, your ability to make a fire to cook dinner. And so you got to get through that wood. And sometimes the wood can represent parts of yourself that you're ready to say goodbye to. Thick patterns, habits, or other relationships that no lo- that you're no longer wanting to be a part of are limiting core beliefs. I often lead through th- people through that in that in that pile of wood is all your treasures of your limiting core beliefs and we're we're ready to dismantle them. So there's also a symbology we can work with. And probably that was happening for you in a way, you know, when you were doing that is like, and that ability to empower your voice. And if there's any, you know, anger, we all have, you know, we all have because sadness is anger, right? And, And anger is fear and, you know, it all interplays. And so you're, you empowered yourself. It reminds me one time when I was younger, when I was dancing and I had, a, I had an injury that stopped me in my tracks and I couldn't perform and I couldn't create anymore. And I went to the ocean and I picked up the biggest stones I could and I started throwing them into the water, you know, and asking also for the release and the healing that comes when when you're and I prayed you know I didn't even know how to pray and I was you know I made it up and I was I prayed to the water you know to support me through this very challenging time and that empowered me yeah and I think there is something to that posture too of the voice like you said to actually hear the own sound of your voice and the ha you know, with it, it's just like really powerful and yeah, really magnificent. And that's a memory that I'll carry with me forever because it was so transformative. Well, I know we're running out of time here, so I just have to go to my notes because I had uh, a PDF version of this. So one of the things I want to recommend people who are listening and want to go out and get your book, I really recommend that this is a book that you have in hand. You need to hold this book. You need to, you're going to reference it, highlight stuff. Yes. I would say 
this, if you have it on Kindle, great. But I guarantee if you're reading it electronically, you're going to say, I need to have this book in my hand. And for you book people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But so there are parts. And I think even yoga teachers too will love so much of like this beautiful poetry that you have in here. And I'll admit, one of the first ones that I saw, I was like, oh, I wonder who she quoted that from. <laughs> because it was like italicized, you know, like in the center and everything right. to see. And I was like, oh, you, hello. I'm like, it's her. This is her stuff. That's why it's not marked as like coming yeah. from someone. It's so beautiful. So I I wanted to read one of the things. There were two that I really loved, but there's one because I'm working on, I had told you before we hit record and bringing abstract art to my life. And actually I'm working with a teacher in Vancouver. Right. Yeah. Joseph Gobby is his name. I've taken, he's been on my podcast and I've been taking some classes. And so I've created an art class, an abstract art class to bring into my business called The Art of Letting Go. And we're going to be doing an inner child series. So the whole concept of letting go and allowing some of these lower frequency energies in our body to be released so that we can move closer to the frequency of joy is kind of like my thing this year, you know? Amazing, amazing work. So in your in your book, I found, you know, this really beautiful piece that you had written that I'm going to bring into this class. And also you have provided me with so much content because I also have been running a sound bath healings with the crystal bowls. Mm -hmm. And I always like to find something at the end to read. Mm -hmm. And your book has like loaded me up with beautiful things. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. So I thought that maybe I would leave, you know, our listeners with this just beautiful piece that you had wrote and it's about letting go. And Mara says, we are stronger in our letting go than in our holding on. Our letting go becomes our strength. It opens the gateway to intuitive messages and the positive energy of change, renewal, and release. And there's, I just love all that you wrote. It's so beautiful. So, so thank you. Thank you for following through on your, your vision, on your flash, on that intuitive kind of thing that you had saw. Thank God you slowed down enough to write, to write this. And it's just been beautiful to be in your presence and to learn so much from you. This book is loaded, guys. I'm telling you, you really want to get it in your hands. Ritual as Remedy embodied practices for soul care. So as we're kind of signing off, where can people find your information about your classes, you know, where you're located and where they can purchase the book, probably Amazon and, you know. Yes, you can purchase the book wherever you buy your books. And if you wanted, you know, to remember a little bit more about the title and and find out about me, my website is marabranscombe.com. And I also have links for all all different places to buy the book on the website. So you can buy it anywhere. And I also, you know what I encourage? Ask your local bookstore to bring the book in. And because I love supporting local bookstores too, they're so special and we have to keep supporting them. So wherever you buy them and you can follow in my, I, I host a lot of online events. I host international retreats and I, I will always teach. I love teaching. So 
Thank Wonderful. You. Well, thank you, Mara. And we will put Mara's links in our show notes so you can easily find her. And, and I just hope you guys took away some great stuff that I took away from this conversation. So I'd like to thank you all so much for listening and for tuning in to the PAP11 podcast and also watching this on PAP11TV.com. If you like it, go ahead and, and rate it. Give us a nice little review. That's always really helpful. And I will definitely be sure to bring you another amazing person next week on the Path 11 podcast. So take care, everyone, and take care of yourselves. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.